Hello and welcome to my podcast. I'm Kim Akrig and we are talking about how to combine the metaphysical and the physical and manifest the business of your dreams. If you want to learn how to combine the woo and the work ethic, strategy and manifestation, stay tuned. This is for you. So I don't know about you, but when I was learning about astrology, I remember feeling really overwhelmed because there's all the planets, all the signs, all these things interacting together. And it wasn't only about how those things were interacting in your chart. It was also how like the daily energies of the planets was showing up in your life and affecting your life. And I'm sure most of us are aware of Mercury retrograde at this point, but Mercury is not the only planet that can go into retrograde. All of the planets can go into retrograde. And so I found it really helpful helpful with the magic of eye planner it tells you day to day what's going on in the sky it's telling you what the moon is doing it's telling you what phase it's in it and it also has the optimum times life guide where basically every single day they give you insight onto the energy of the day and how you can best work with it so you're not basically trying to push shit up a hill and doing something in the wrong time and making your life basically way more difficult for yourself and it doesn't only have information about a astrology this year they've added a whole new section to it where they're talking about how to combine medicinal mushrooms with the energy of the planets which i absolutely love because medicinal mushrooms are so powerful for so many things and just really being able to enhance that energy and work with the energy of the stars is just going to help you manifest everything in your life a whole lot easier and aside from having all this incredible information about astrology it's basically like a quick start astrology guide so even if you're a total beginner. You can work with it. They also have a menstrual tracker. They have information on the retrogrades and eclipses. And they also have sections where you can plan your weekly goals, your yearly goals. So you can really use this as a manifestation tool to write down what you want to create as well as how to harness the energy of the stars to make that happen for you. So they've kindly gifted the listeners a discount, which is Kim Akrig, K-I-M-A-K-R-I-G-G. And their website is magic of I and like I for icecube.com. And so that code works for everything on their site. They also have really beautiful journals. There's stickers, there's moon trackers. So definitely go and have a look and use that code to save yourself 10% off of everything on the site. So let's get back to the show. Hello, everyone. I hope your day is going so good. I apologize for missing last week's episode. Um, Ever since I started university three years ago now, um, it's been kind of interesting seeing like how the business has sort of ebbed and flowed with that. Like the first year, I definitely tried to do all the things and that led to me feeling very burnt out at the end of the school year and pretty much just wanting to lie on my couch for a month straight, which really made me realize like sometimes like contrast is so helpful because it gives us feedback. And of course, like we don't, we don't want to go through things that we don't like or that are painful or tiring or whatever, but the thing is, is that gives you feedback because especially in today's world, there is so many people out there all the time trying to give you advice about what you should be doing. And I think people are well-intentioned by doing that. But I think the most important thing that we always have to realize and the thing that I always want to instill in my clients and everyone is that like, you are the expert on yourself. And so yes, there is like 500 people out there telling you like, you need to do this, you need to do this, you need to do this. And that's all well and good. 
but you need to be, you can definitely take advice and insight from other people, but ultimately at the end of the day, you have to filter this through your own inner voice and like your own inner guidance and be like, Hey, like, is this the right way for me to do this thing? And I think that's one of the things that we get tripped up, tripped up on a lot is we see other people doing something and we're like, I need to be doing it that way. And that's not the case. Like we, we need to, we can definitely take that advice from other people or like get ideas about how other people do things. But like really like in the culture that we have where it's just like hustle harder, you need to be working. If like you're not using your weekends to build the life you want, you're basically a fuck up and wasting your time. And I think like these extremes aren't healthy for us. Like I think they're exhausting for our nervous system. They lead us to being burnt out. Of course, I think it's important to like work towards a life that you want and like really examine the choices. Like if the things that you're doing in your day to day are not bringing you joy or bringing you closer to where you want to be, of course, I think it's worth looking at those things. But I also know that like on the journey to creating the life that you want, if the things you're doing on the day to day are not things that you feel good about or that you don't like enjoy, like you're not going to enjoy the final destination because ultimately that final destination never arrives because you're a human and you live like a long life. And even those like peak moments of like, quote unquote, achieving something are so short lived. And ultimately, I don't want to say they're not fulfilling, but they're not going to sustain you. So it's really important to look at what you're doing in the day to day. And like, is that structure in your life towards what you want? So that was kind of like a random rant about like how you should live your life. But anyways, so first year tried to do all the things that was really exhausting. Second year went fully the other direction, decided I was only going to focus on school, didn't work on the business, like only, um, like I was just planning on working in the summer. And then this year, third year, we're sort of like taking it as it comes and seeing how it goes. I am leaving a few spots open for clients. I'm definitely going to be showing up more like as it flows. Like I, I don't want to put, there's already so pre much pressure from school and like everything I have to do for that and all the assignments I have to write and all the reading I have to do that I never want the podcast to feel like a chore. Like I don't want to just have to create something for you for the sake of being like, oh, I put out a podcast episode every week. I don't think that feels aligning for me and I don't think you'll enjoy that content. So what I've been trying to say is that like, I am definitely going to put in an effort to maintain showing up for the podcast this year and like being somewhat consistent with the episodes. But if I miss a week here or there, just know that I will be back. <laughs> but anyways, for today's episode, I thought we would do sort of like a manifestation, limiting belief, mindset, FAQ, or not, not necessarily an FAQ, but just a question and answer episode. Because every time I do one of these, you guys seem to really like them. I like doing them because it can be a little bit less structured, less structured. I can just like answer the questions and then you can get the information. So um, let me just pull up my notes and we will start. So the first one is someone in there saying basically they finished writing a novel. They are trying to pitch this novel now. And every time they do it, they get a no 
then it just gets harder and harder to stay positive. And so they're just kind of getting down on themselves and they're like, okay, like one, I want to manifest this thing. And two, like, it's just getting harder and harder for me to feel positive about this thing. And I think this is a really great question because pretty much even if we're not writing a novel, we all have experiences in our life of like, we keep trying to do something and we just keep getting like knocked back. So it's like, how do you sustain that like forward momentum and how do you like believe that it's going to happen and this is such a good like this is such a great question because I think we've all experienced something like this at some point in time and so basically it's like the first thing is like anything you're trying to do you have to believe that it's so important that you're gonna do whatever it takes to make it happen and if you can't get into a space of believing that like what you are wanting to do is so important I really would struggle to think that you're going to be able to see it through. And I'm just going to use like the example of university for me, like doing a psychology degree is like so much harder than I ever thought it was going to be. And maybe that's like silly or you're like, Kim, what were you thinking? Why did you think this would be easy? I never thought it was going to be easy. I just didn't realize what it was going to be like. And in the first year I had a very rude awakening where it's not just like a whole P's get degrees kind of thing and you can just skate your way through and it's going to be fine and then you get to be a psychologist at the end of it. Um, it is very GPA based and it it's a very, there's a lot of reading obviously because it's like a science and um, they, they really put a lot of pressure on you to maintain a certain GPA and you have to have a certain GPA to even get into the fourth year, which you need if you want to go on and do your master's and become a, a psychologist. And they really like to emphasize how competitive this is because in your fourth year, for those don't, that don't know, like it's a research year, basically you're designing a study, you're carrying it out with supervision, and there's only so many supervisors to go around at the university. So it really like, they have just been like driving it into us from day one and really putting the fear in us that like, unless you maintain a certain GPA, like you're not even going to be able to get into that fourth year. And it's just interesting seeing how the people around me have taken that pressure on. And I don't think that it's bad if you realize like, hey, this isn't necessarily for me. And I think I would like to go a different way or I'm rethinking how I would want to do this. But the thing that like, makes it so that I feel like I'm able to keep going with something that is like really challenging and really stressful and really hard is because I have like a really big why behind it. Like obviously like me being a psychologist is not just for me, it's for like all the people that I'm going to work with. And ultimately like when you heal one person that has such a huge ripple effect outwards. And I don't like to say that I'm the person healing you. Like, I feel like that's so disempowering. Like I just hold the space and like guide you through the process so that you can get the outcome that you want. So I don't like being like, I'm the healer and it's just a passive process for you. But like, like being a psychologist, you wouldn't go to a psychologist and be like, heal me. And I think sometimes people are a little, it's funny how when people approach going to a hypnotherapist and going to a psychologist, because they both do different things, like, but at the same time, they do similar things. And it's kind of like different approaches to get a, a, a similar outcome. It depends what you're going to each one, what what it's for, but like you could argue that they both deal with the mind and like your behavior and your beliefs and stuff. And it's really interesting because I notice sometimes people 
reach out to me and they want they're talking about wanting to become a client and they're just like oh like i see that you offer a package is there any way i can just do one session and already for me that kind of just like raises a flag as to like is this person really invested in their transformation and what they want to do because they're already trying to like remove things from the process it tells me that like they're maybe not 100% committed to getting the transformation because if you were like I've been doing this for three years would you not think that the person who's been doing it for that long has maybe figured out a process that works and the things that are in that process are in that process for a reason and if you're already trying to pick and choose and remove things from it why are you trying to do that? <laughs> um, and I mean, like, spoiler alert, the package does only contain one session. So anyways, that's kind of an aside. But I, I just think it's like if you went to a psychologist and you were like, well, how many sessions is it going to take for me to achieve the transformation? It's like, well, I mean, most psychologists are going to be like, well, you have to come for like a certain amount of time to get the results that you want. Anyways, so what I'm trying to say is like, you need to have a big why behind why you're doing what you're doing. Like whether it's going to a hypnotherapist, like why do you want this change? Why is it important for you to change your life? Why, why is this such a big deal? Are you willing to do whatever you need to do to really make this change? Like are you that motivated to do it? And then when it comes to submitting your book, like, do you believe in this book 110%? Do you know that it needs to get out there? Do you feel so strongly that you would be doing a disservice to people by not putting it out there? And if you don't feel that way about it, like, one, why? Like, why are you doing it then? Like, why are you doing something that you don't feel like is like so important and needs to be out there? And two, like, what is this kind of showing us about your belief system of you're like, oh, well, maybe I just thought I would do this thing. And I see this a lot in the coaching industry where like, because it's so easy to become a coach and it's unregulated and like, yeah, there's lots of good coaches out there, but I see so many of them that they just get into it because they're like, oh, well, I just wanted to have a business that I can work from home. That's not a big enough why to make your business work. And then they wonder why their business fails because you need a big why. So with this person who is submitting the book and they keep getting knocked back and it's really getting on them, I'm like, you really need to look at like, do you, is this your huge why? Like, is this the thing that's so important to you? And if it is, then we need to look at like what's getting in the way. Like in, the reality is anything that you want to do in life, it, you're probably going to get a lot of no's. And the more you do it, the more no's you're going to get. Like re realistically, like if we look at even like marketing conversion rates, like it is such a small percentage. I don't remember off the top of my head, but it's like, if like a hundred people see something, maybe it's like two of those people will actually become your clients. So the thing is, is like, as you move through life, you are just going to have to expect that you are going to get no's. And the more you try and do something, the more no's you're going to accumulate. So we can't change that aspect of it, but we can change how we feel about receiving those no's. And also like that attitude that like, just because someone said no, doesn't mean that the next person isn't going to say yes. So what this really is, is building resiliency and belief in yourself. And those are things that you can do like by working on your self-worth and like, changing your subconscious beliefs and like like everything in life it's what you make it mean about you that is really going to determine like 
are you going to be able to do this thing? Like I always think of like JK Rowling off the top of my head, um, where it was like that many people said no to Harry Potter and look at what happened now, but we don't see that part of her story. Like, yeah, we can be like, oh, we all know it worked out now because we know how it worked out. But in that moment, if she hadn't kept going, like there would be no Harry Potter. <laughs> so I think it's just realizing that like any anything you try and do in life, you're probably going to have a lot of people say no to you about it, but it doesn't mean necessarily anything about you. It's more about like you have to change your attitude around what you're going to make that mean for you. And if you can hear that dog barking in the background, I'm sorry. It clearly wanted to be a guest on the show as well. So next question. Um, so this person is asking like, what's the best modality for identifying and releasing money blocks? I've clearly identified a few, but haven't found a great solution to a few specific major limits and blocks. So when it comes to the quote unquote best modality, this is kind of a hard question because especially when it comes to working on money beliefs, um, there is multiple ways that you can kind of go about this. And I think that they all work really well in synergy together. And as an example, I'm just going to like use my own money blocks. Obviously, I have done a lot of RTC hypnotherapy sessions around my beliefs around money, around self-worth. And personally, I think anything that's going to address your beliefs on a subconscious level is going to get you the biggest bang for your buck because while it's great to go around like reciting affirmations or like posting stuff on your wall or like carrying around like a hundred dollar bill in your wallet these are kind of like you're trying to do it from the outside in and money is such a deeply ingrained thing because we've been experiencing it since, since such a young age that you really need to do the work from the inside out and this is why I strongly believe that like RTT is so helpful because your conscious mind doesn't know why you have these issues if it did you wouldn't have them because you would have resolved it so that means we need to go to the subconscious and understand like, where did this belief get created? What did we make that mean? How can we change the way that we see that? How can we realize that we saw that from a child's perspective and now we're an adult and we know things can be different and how can you like rewire that on a subconscious level? And so also I think the thing that's really important to note is that Money is very much tied to self-worth and like the standard for what you'll allow into your life. And so basically what this means is like, like I think money and love are so tied together. Um, not saying that everyone who has like issues around relationships has issues with money or vice versa, but a lot of the time I've noticed that the attachment that you kind of have to other people, it can often show up in terms of money. So what I mean by this is like, if you have like a very anxious attachment style and you find it hard to rely on people, you're kind of always waiting for the other shoe to drop, you're really anxious in your relationship. A lot of times this shows up in your relationship with money as well. Like you kind of end up being like, 
expecting that you're always going to run out or that you can't trust it to be there or that even though things are going really well right now, you're just kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop. Because it's like the way that we exist in one space, we often exist that way in other spaces. And so when we subconsciously have low self-worth, often with money, we'll like either one undercharge for our services or maybe we'll get some and we'll spend it really quickly because we don't know when it's coming back again or we'll find it that like no matter how much we have we're, we're trying to create safety and security through having money and we feel like even though it doesn't matter how much we have we never feel that sense of safety and security so working on your self-worth in conjunction with working on the particular beliefs that you have around money is going to be the thing that helps you move forwards with it and honestly like money beliefs I think are I don't want to create the story that you're always going to be working on it but I think it's like realizing that it's probably not like I think the thing that I find with most people, most people, when they want to work on money, they want to see like an instant shift. They want to be a millionaire tomorrow. And I think the thing that is worth noting is that like when you start working on your relationship with money, it's not going to be like you're overnight going to win the lottery. And that even I think expecting it in a giant lump sum like that, I think it kind of comes from a scarcity mindset because it kind of tells me that you don't think that you can progressively increase the money you receive over time. You have to receive it all in a big lump sum. And then like, I mean, if we look at research, lottery winners are usually back to where they were before, if not worse off a few years later because they haven't changed their energetic standards and patterning around money. So when you want to work on your money relationship, I honestly believe like a slow and steady growth is much more sustainable to your nervous system instead of like hoping that you win the lottery like the next day. <laughs> and I know people are going to be like, no, Kim, I just really want to win the lottery. I think it's like, wouldn't you rather believe that you have the skills and ability to attract money in a consistent way over time that just grows and grows and grows and you're like good at managing it and you know where to put it and you know how to invest it? Like, does that not feel better than just being like, oh, well, I just need to rely on chance and for it to magically show up all of a sudden in just a lump sum and I'll never think about it ever again. And spoiler alert, that's not even going to be true. Like, even if that did happen you would still have to think about money like you would have to think about how you're going to manage it how like who are you going to give it to if anyone like where are you going to spend it like money is just a part of our reality and you if you can learn to change your relationship with it over time it's going to be much more beneficial than just hoping you will get a bunch of it overnight like a way that i can liken this too is when i was younger i had an eating disorder and the thing about having an eating disorder is I would say it kind of in a way almost feels similar to addiction because you have an unhealthy relationship with a substance. And if you are a drug addict or an alcoholic, you can, or even a smoker, you could cut those things out of your life and never have to touch them ever again. And that would not have an effect on your ability to survive, but you can't do that with food. So when I was trying to heal from my eating disorder, I knew that I was going to have to change my relationship to food because you can't just never eat again. And the way that I was eating was obviously so unhealthy and the patterns that I had around it and like the way I was thinking about food were so unhealthy. But something inside me knew I was like, I can't 
continue the way that I'm going. But I also, the thing that I'm going to have to learn to change is my relationship to this thing because food will always be a part of your life. You need it to survive. Um, so the thing that you have to learn is how to change your relationship to that thing. And I did it. And I feel like I have a very healthy relationship to food now. And the thing is, is it took time. It wasn't like overnight, all of a sudden, I was just totally fine and like ate like a quote unquote normal person. Like it was something that took time and it took like energy to change it and relearning new patterns. And I really think when you're changing your relationship to money, it's going to be the same thing. Like it's going to be I don't want to create the story for ourselves that has to be like a slow process because I think what I've seen with my clients in RTT, you can shift it quite quickly, but the way that that new vibration attracts money into your life, it's not like all of a sudden you're going to win the lotto. You know what I mean? It's like they change how they feel about it and then slowly things kind of change over time or even quickly because I've had clients be like, hey, like I just made like hundred thousand dollars this month and but they had the things to support them into making that kind of money so like with money it's very much like a it's an energetic level thing but it's also something that takes place in our like physical world so it's like you need to kind of create changes and shifts in both of those areas to see a sustained change over time so um next question I'm afraid to succeed and be paid for my worth in, well, anything. I've had a tough time transitioning from being a stay-at-home mom, volunteer, and into a stay-at-home mom and volunteer into a single mom and have struggled with making money. And I know it's a lack of belief in me and my value, but I can't figure out how to heal it. Basically, they kind of just go on to explain how, like, they have a degree, they're very qual qualified, like, um they kind of on paper have everything that you need to be able to um, like get paid for your worth. So first thing first is I really like looking at this languaging because language tells us so much about where your mind is at, how ready for change you are, what your beliefs are. Like it, it's interesting because I think sometimes people think like, I know someone, someone said this to me and I know they didn't say it with like ill intent. Um, it, it's just a lack of information, but they were basically talking about how like, oh, like being a psychologist is like not that hard because you just have to sit there and like listen to people. <laughs> and I was like, well, one, listening is a very active process. Um, but I, I think it kind of like underestimates what a psychologist is actually paying attention to. And obviously this is going to like vary, like depending on the kind of modality or whatever your psychologist practices. But one of the things that we've been learning about in it, basically it's called motivational interviewing. And basically what you're doing is you're, it, it was first created um, for people who had like substance abuse issues, like say people who were like drink, drinking too much or like they were drug addicts. And so basically you would be talking with them. So it sounds like to them just a normal conversation, but basically you would be sort of like probing them to understand, not probing, that sounds wrong. Um, but basically you would be asking like strategic questions and communicating them with them in a way that sort of like took the temperature for like how ready they felt to change, how much they believe in their ability to change, how much they believe in their self-efficacy, like what kind of a benefit are they deriving from alcohol, um, things that kind of perpetuate this thing. So you're sort of listening for all this change talk and you're kind of taking the temperature of being like, well, how ready and what stage is this person at? around thinking about change. 
So basically, <laughs> what what I'm trying to say with this example is like you can learn a lot from the way that someone writes a question or asks something. And the thing that I really wanted to highlight in how this person asked this question is how do I be paid my worth? And the thing is, is like no one can pay your worth because you are like worthy beyond measure just for existing. So that kind of like shows, I feel like that kind of a language, like I want to be paid my worth. It's like, well, you're, you're assuming that your worth is something that you can be paid by. Like some people are worthier than other people. So those people deserve to have more money. And I know I talk a lot about self-worth and money, but I'm not talking about it from a sense of like, you're getting paid by how worthy you are. When I talk about like self-worth and money, I mean that like, you attract money in by how worthy you feel of it, which is different to you being like worthy as a person because inherently like you are just naturally worthy. Like you're worthy of everything you desire. But the thing is, is you have to be able to see it for yourself. And when you don't believe that you are worthy of something, this shows up in sort of how I was talking about with the money example before is like, you will second guess yourself on opportunities you go for, or maybe you don't want to be seen, or maybe you're afraid to like post on social media, because you're like, I don't look the same as all the Instagram models, or why would people want to listen to me? And that kind of lack of belief in yourself is really going to like slow you down from achieving anything that you want to achieve, because you're just not going to like, get out there and go for it basically. So what really needs to happen here is this person needs to change. I don't say, I don't like saying it. I don't want to be like this person needs to change this. It would benefit this person to look at like, why don't they feel worthy? Like what stories do they have about themselves that are telling them that they're not enough to do this? Like I always like to tell myself a moments where I'm human and there's definitely moments where I doubt myself in life like it's easy to be hard on yourself and I think it's a lot easier sometimes to be harder on yourself than it is to be nice to yourself but I, I always bring it back to the example with university and I when things are really hard and I'm like oh my god am I actually able to do this I think about like I'm like look at how many other people have done this and so it's like, if other people have done it, that means it's a possibility. And if it's a possibility, that means it's a possibility for you too. And so when you start to realize like, okay, something is out there, it exists, it's a possibility, other people have done it, why can't I do it? And then if you even ask yourself that, like the stuff that pops up straight away, like I'm too old, I'm not, I don't look right or like whatever, like the things that kind of, the stories that we perpetuate, this is really helpful because then we can be the detective and we can start to be like, okay, let's look at these stories. What are the stories that are coming up for me around why I can't do this or why it's not okay for me to go ask for that or why why I'm doing what I'm doing essentially. Like it takes a little bit of self inquiry. And like I said before, like RTT is really like the, the cheat code to getting to this information and transforming it really quickly because we're able to just like get into your subconscious and be like, well, 
why don't you feel like you're good enough? Like what's going on? Was this a story that you took on from childhood where maybe like someone told you something or that you couldn't do something and you took that on to mean that you couldn't do things, but you took that belief on at six years old and now you're like 32 and you still have this same story as when you were six years old, which is what the subconscious does. Like it gets programmed pretty much between the ages of zero to seven. And those stories that it creates about you and your ability and everything you can do, it just perpetuates them and projects them outwards as you grow older. And then you see more evidence to support your beliefs. And then it just becomes like this snowball effect, basically. So it's like with RTT, we're able to dial it back and be like, okay, like, okay, you, I believed at six years old that I wasn't capable of doing things because I tried to climb on a chair to reach something on the top shelf and I couldn't reach it. So that meant that I wasn't able to do anything. And I know this sounds far-fetched, but like this is how the mind does it. And then it's like telling you at 32, you still can't do that thing. So all that we need to do is get in there and like examine it and show your mind like, okay, I believe that at six years old, I'm not six years old anymore. I can definitely reach the stuff at the top of the cupboard. I might need to get a chair if you're me and you're just not very tall, and, but you can still do it. Like it's a possibility for you. So it's really just breaking it down and looking at those beliefs and showing yourself like, hey, like I created this a long time ago. I don't need to believe that anymore. I can ultimately choose to believe that I can do this and I'll figure it out. I'm resourceful. I'm resilient. Like I deserve to be paid a livable wage. Like that's not a ridiculous thing to ask for. So it's just kind of realizing that like you created these beliefs and stories at one point in time in your life and they served you, but they don't serve you anymore. So you get to release them. So let me just make sure I answered that properly. Yeah. Like it's just realizing that you're here, you're valuable. You wouldn't be here for if there wasn't a reason for it. Like, I, I just think it's like, it's such a miracle that we end up existing on earth at all. Like if you look at all the things that had to happen to line up perfectly to ensure that you were here and you like didn't die as a baby or like die in the womb or like that you even started to exist. Like if you, if you look at all the things that had to happen to ensure that you were here, I just don't think it's an exact, it's not an accident. Like you're here for a reason. You have a purpose. Like there is something that you uniquely can bring to the world and you just have to start to see it for yourself. And the thing is, is like, I think sometimes people are like, I don't know what my purpose is, or I have no clue what I'm supposed to be doing. But when people say that, I'm always like, okay, well, this is the time to like dig harder <laughs> because everyone is here to do something you wouldn't be here if there wasn't some kind of a reason for you being here and the thing that like i can help you do is hold a mirror up to yourself so you can start to figure out what that is it's and also realizing that like purpose is not usually like a final destination it's not your job it's not your title it's something more than that so Anyways, I think this podcast is getting to be a little bit over like 30 minutes. So I think we've kind of like reached a good spot with it. Um, as always, if you have any questions, please send me a DM on Instagram. I'm at Kim.Akrig over there. And if you're not following me on there, you definitely should be. Um, yeah. And as I was saying before, I do have a couple of spots open for RTT clients throughout the year. And the link to book in a session is in the show notes. And if there's not a time that works for you, please just reach out and I'll see what we can do and we will figure this out together. 
But that's it from me for today. I hope you have an incredible day and I will talk to you soon.